And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. It is a sunny Monday morning. James is pumped up, right? James, you're you're excited. Let's do it. Yeah, <laughs> we're almost we're winding down here. Three games left. Well, so we should apologize, or I should apologize for last week. We did not have an episode. We were supposed to have an episode, and then there were travel issues on my behalf, which erased our episode. So we're going to do two this week. We're going to talk a little bit about what's going on with the team now, and then at the end of the week, we're going to come back and talk about the playoffs. That sound good to you, James? That sounds amazing. Actually, that's my idea. So I think (laughs) that was was what I said we should do when when everything went to hell last week. It was like, let's just do two next week. And here we go. So credit to James. Uh, We have a very special guest on today. Our buddy Josh Cloak is going to be aboard in just a few minutes. We want to talk a little bit about Matthew Nyes. But before we get to that, uh, let's just kind of take stock of where things are at with the Leafs. Like you mentioned, three games to go. Some interesting stuff going on that we'll get to a little bit later. You know, Ryan O'Reilly's place in the lineup. The power play is doing some things. Um, obviously, there was some cap machinations over the weekend. Is there anything you want to hit before we get to Josh and talk a little bit about Nye's signing? Ooh, machinations. Yeah, that was a good word. I was proud of that. I just came up with it. We can probably talk about some of that stuff with, uh, with Josh. Um, you know, I mean, it seems like the team's rolling a little bit more than they have been, right? Like Ryan O'Reilly looks good. You, you crush Montreal. They've got that that fourth line is really rolling. It feels like Matthews is playing really well. Samsonov's been playing pretty well. It feels like there's a lot of arrows pointing in the right direction here as the, the closing on the playoffs. Yeah, I think that's all fair. Um, we can dig into some of that stuff. I think you mentioned uh, the Camp Aston Reese Lafferty line is really kind of settled into place. That that game on Saturday was just wasn't even like really a game. Like I was surprised that there was not much. Co- like it was 18 to one, the shots after the first period. I don't, 
I'm sure I've seen something like that before, but it just felt so one-sided in a way that just was just like, well, let's oh. just get to the playoffs. How, how long have you covered the Leafs? I'm sure you've seen it before, but probably reversed. Yeah, I don't know if I've ever seen 18-1. <laughs> to 1. Remember there was that one year where they were like down at like, they were like under 40% possession and stuff like that. Like they had some game, remember they had that one game against St. Louis and the shots were like 20 to three or something. And like they, they've, they've had some stinkers. Were those the Carlisle years? Yes. The, the very tail end of them. Mm. Yeah. You were raising some alarm balls at that point. Um, so Mitch Marner, 98 points. Um, Matthews is at 39 goals. Man, like Matthews, there's a really good chance he's going to end up with 40 again and he's going to end up leading the team again. It's funny how you look at his season and then you compare it to some of the other guys on the team like Neander, Tavares. And it's like, well, Matthews has had a down year and he's going to end up with like 40 goals and 90 points and outproduce both those guys. And like Neander's having a great year or had a until recently. But it's funny how when you contrast it to what Matthews has done and it just seems different. Yeah, well, he was on another planet last year, right? I mean, he's still... I think I was looking the other day. I think he, I think Matthews is like top twenty in NHL scoring, right? He is, so, yeah. So, I mean, it pretty clearly he wasn't himself for the first whatever sixty games. So, it's going to be interesting to see what version. I mean, it looks like the version they're going to get in the playoffs is going to be the one that has been playing lately, who's been, you know, Matthews of old. But I don't think the version that you know is a 50 60 goal guy is gone. I think this was this is going to be a year that was a bit of an anomaly for him. Well, and it's obviously going to be so interesting. We'll talk about this later in the week how things change or don't change in the playoffs. What kind of performance they get from Matthews, Marner, Neander, Tavares, what impact O'Reilly has. I think it's interesting that they've gone back to to Matthews and Marner after like a brief split and obviously Ryan O'Reilly has a lot to do with that. Michael Bunting back with Matthews. Kelly Arncroft obviously being hurt has changed some things. Um, anyway, there's lots uh, lots to pick through with that. You know who else I've liked lately is yeah. is McCabe's played well with Brody. Like, I mean, we know that Brody elevates everybody, but I, I feel like McCabe's a guy that that can play up the lineup if he has a really good partner. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's essentially their number one pair. It's funny, James. Like, I I did uh, I. As you know, I did MVP rankings for the Leafs, and I was really like, I went in thinking, man, I'll, uh, Brody's going to be in my top five. Like he's their their best defenseman. He's only played fifty five games. I hadn't realized it was like that low. Um, it, and obviously, it's testament to some of the things that they've done on their blue line that Jake Muzzin hasn't played all year. He played four games. They've and not had even. a lot of injuries on D. I mean, look how many. Yeah, you know, I, I think they're up near the top of the league in terms of man games lost to injury. On okay, defense. so I have a quibble with that because does that include Carl Dahlstrom, who's literally missed every single game? No. Does it no. include Victor Mete, who's missed fifty games? Well, that's where it, it gets a little sticky it, with those numbers. No, but the one I look at, Jonas, there's one where they calculate it based on salary missed out of the lineup, and then it's like. So, like, if a significant player is out, then Muzzin then is a big make, salary chunk, right? Yeah, well, and Murray Muzzin would definitely Muzzin would definitely skew it. Yeah, but I mean, just on defense, they've had, especially. I remember at the midway point, they had like they had a ton of man games lost uh, or or salary games lost on injury on defense. Well, I got it in front of me. See, here's some of the big ones: Murray, fourteen games; Muzzin, seventy-five games; uh, Samsonov, twelve; Brody, twelve; Riley, fifteen. Uh, who are some big ones? Brody, another 10. Murray, another 12. Uh, O'Reilly misses 14 games. And then Murray's obviously missed the last three. 
Maybe it's four. Anyway, uh, I think we should get into some Matthew Nye's talk he signs over the weekend. It is time to bring in one of our favorite people, uh, one of the best writers in the biz, in the game, our buddy Josh Cloak. Hi, Josh. Boys, it's raining in South Florida. <laughs> oh, no. What is going on? <laughs> Are you enjoying enjoying the Fort Lauderdale beachfront? Were you were you at the elbow room last night till two a.m.? This was not part of the contract that I signed that stipulated <laughs> that, that it would be raining on my one trip to Florida this year, South Florida. Have you not been? Have you not been to? Have you been to Fort Lauderdale before? On a yeah, trip? and it's been perfect weather every time. And I hear that you guys are enjoying yeah. beautiful spring weather. And I've got it's beautiful. Yeah, it's I've got it's supposed to be like 16 degrees here today. Okay, so. well, I've got monsoon <laughs> winds outside. So <sighs> anyway, I think you should just tough it out and go sit by the pool, no matter what it looks like. <laughs> just just because just because you're in Florida. Yeah. No, that's probably the, the the thing to do. I should be recording this from out there, just to just <laughs> just for the atmosphere. Well, let's not wreck. Let's not ruin the podcast here. Yeah. What's going on? What's is is there uh, is there a new prospect we have to talk about today? There is. So uh, obviously, I think you have written the definitive Matthew Nye stories, not just story stories. Uh, so if people haven't read those, just go look up Josh's work on Matthew Nye's at the Athletic. Uh, he wrote an amazing profile, uh, kind of a behind the scenes look uh, at some of. Matthew Nye's experience this year in Minnesota. He wrote another story, uh, kind of taking you through his preparations for the Leafs. Um, Josh, let's start here. Um, obviously, he signs over the weekend. He's going to join the team. What was like the most interesting thing you didn't know about Nye's that you know now after spending all that time with him uh, a couple months back? He's like remarkably self-aware. Like for a twenty-year-old, you know, especially a, a highly touted you know, 20 year old athlete, you know, these guys can kind of get in their own head and, and, but like Matthew just kind of doesn't take the world around him too seriously. Um, he's got a great sense of humor. And I think he knows what really stuck out was his ability to understand like last year when Kyle Dubas and the Leafs organization wanted him, he just realized he wasn't ready. Right. And I think, you know, for a lot of young kids after one year, at college, you know, you get offered, you know, multi-million dollar contract and a lot of kids would just sign it because who wouldn't want to go play in the NHL? But I think he realized that he still had a lot of maturing to do. And to some people that probably raises, you know, or you, you could sound the alarm bells because of, you know, the fact that he openly admitted he wasn't mature. And even when I was hanging around him, there was some obvious moments of immaturity. Like, you know, he got into a heated discussion with a ref in one game that I saw. And he told me after that he called the ref drunk. And like, so there's, there's things like that, that I think he's really going to have to iron out once he starts playing for the Leafs. But like, he knows who he is. He knows, you know, the, the kind of challenge ahead of him. He, he's green in a lot of respects, but I just, I think he's, he's got a great personality. Um, he's got a good head on his shoulders. And I think the fact that he didn't make the jump too soon could end up helping them this year. We'll see, right? Jonas and I were talking about this last night, and I, my concern a little is that like the hype train has gotten a little bit yeah out of the barn, and you know I th- I think it was I think it's this always seems to happen in in Toronto and some other places too, but in Toronto where you get the top prospect, whoever the top guy is, 
it just gets built up to something more than that player is going to be able to to live up to. Um, what, what what should the do you think people's expectations be for Matthew Nyes playing in these these regular season games here? I mean, I think the hype train with him. Um, I'm not going to say it's justified, but it's interesting because like they don't they haven't had a prospect like him. You know, his frame, his 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 skill. Like, yeah, the hype train on Nick Robertson was out of control too, but you know, they had a lot of kind of smallish skilled scoring wingers, but like when was the last time they had a six foot three prospect that could score? So I think that's probably why a little bit, you know, why that hype train is moving, but I I don't want to pour too much cold water on, you know, the whole thing right now, but should Leafs fans expect him to make an impact right away? Probably not. Right. The skating, especially the lateral movement still needs a lot of work. And like, you, you're not just throwing him in, in in game one and expecting like, you know, hopefully by game 20 or 25, he's kind of, he's, he's figured things out. Like he's going to be, he has what a two, three game audition to see if he's going to play in like one of the most anticipated playoff series in franchise history. Like I, he, when he's on the ice and, and when he was at his best with Minnesota, he was a great, like, straight lines player. Um, he would drive to the net every chance he, he could. He wouldn't back down from physical contact. You know, he loved to score ugly goals. His shot has really improved. Um, he's not necessarily the most dynamic player, uh, but he's not afraid to, like, run guys over. Um, so I think he'll probably make a lot of fans early on with that style of play. I think there's a section of Leafs fans that, that love that kind of player, but you know, the, the lack of experience to me is, is, is glaring. Like, didn't we see this with Nick Robertson? Like when he came in, what did he, in that series against Columbus, didn't he score in his second game? But then by his like third game, it was like, Oh, I don't, I don't know if he's ready. Like, am I remembering that right? It's such a big jump from junior to the NHL. It's even bigger than than college to the NHL. I mean, the, look at Robertson, how young he was yeah. at that point. He was eighteen, I think, right, Jonas? Like yeah. it's it's like that's that's almost impossible. And it shows, you know, at the time they were desperate that they really needed another scoring winger, and they they had to turn to him. And then it turned out that that secondary scoring and even primary scoring was a big problem in that series against Columbus. I'm curious, Josh, you've spent time with Nyes and you've been following kind of the Leafs prospect system now for years for us. Who is, is there anyone in the NHL that you would compare him to? Like, who do you think is like a model for what his career could potentially look like? So he wants to, to have a career or he wants to model his game after Alex Tuck, which I, I mm. think is, is fair ish, right? The same kind of player. Um, and, you know, I, I actually, I spoke to Alex Tuck a few times this year for a few different stories and the same kind of personality too, kind of a little bit goofy, very lighthearted. Um, but I, I mean, I think it's reasonable to expect that, you know, over the next few years, he develops into a, you know, a 20 goal score, maybe not much of a playmaker, you know, maybe he's the kind of guy that, you know, is, is 20 and 20, um, at the NHL level. Um, you know, he could play on the power play. He played on the penalty kill this year, but like he's just his his skating and his 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 lack of kind of dynamic movement. I think that that's a real hindrance to his game. Um, he's probably going to spend the whole summer, I would suspect, in Toronto, right, working with the development staff. You you 
you know, you bolster your development staff. So you can work with guys like this who, who have skating issues. And Jonas, I know that like skating is a big red flag for you. Um, so it's something like we're going to have to keep an eye on, but I think, you know, maybe like, I, I think he, at, at best, he, he probably tops out as like a second line winger who can score 20 goals. And, and, but it, again, like his, like the, 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 the style of play that he employs, we're seeing that less and less in the NHL, right? Like six foot three guys that just want to bowl over, you know, opposition defenders. Um, so we'll see, but, but I think, you know, he's a, he's a prototypical power forward. Um, and he probably would have been a lot more at home in the NHL like 20 years ago, right? One of the, uh, I was talking Scott Wheeler, one of our prospect writers, I was talking about this and he said Brandon Saad might be yep. a potential comparable, like someone, you know, who's, who's again, also not like the fastest guy. I've seen some people compare Nyes to, to Chris Kreider with the Rangers. And I remember covering oh, that boy. playoff series. Kreider came, Kreider came right out of college. He had played, I believe he had played three years of college, I want to say. So he was a year older than Nyes. He came right out of college, right into the NHL playoffs, and he made an impact. I think he had five goals in 18 games. The Rangers went on a run to the conference finals. But one thing Wheeler said with that comparison, the problem is, is that Kreider is such a good skater. Yeah. Like Kreider is so fast. He's got the size, but he's also got the speed. And that was that enabled him to make an impact right away. But if you look at the college numbers, like Kreider's numbers are somewhat similar. He's got the same kind of frame. It's just going to be, I think it's really going to be that skating if that allows if that holds nice back or if he can find a way to be kind of like a sod kind of guy who can make an impact without that speed. I mean, what you like is that he's coming in with a ton of confidence, right? They were one goal away from winning the national championship. You know, the, the Gophers were one of the most dominant teams, you know, in recent college hockey memory. And he was playing on an incredible line with Logan Cooley. So he's coming in hot and you want that kind of swagger and you want that confidence, but like, how long or how short is his leash going to be with Sheldon Keith? Like, is it going to take just one real, you know, defensive error? And then, you know, is, is that all Keith is going to need to see to be like, uh, I, I think Zach Aston Reese is our guy in the playoffs. And, and isn't it interesting too? Like I've been watching the play of, of Zach Aston Reese over the last few weeks. And you kind of wonder in the back of your head, like, well, this guy is not ready to give up his lineup spot. And that's kind of where you thought Nyes might slot in, right? That fourth line left wing role. He's not ready to give up his lineup spot at all. Like he's playing some of his best hockey with the Leafs as of late. So like, I, I, I don't well, know. The fourth line has real chemistry yeah. right now. So I, I, I'm sure they'll be reluctant to break it up. I think, I mean, it it makes sense right now. I think you probably move Kerfoot to the right side and you play Nyes with Achari and Kerfoot. Um, you know, then you, you can kind of shelter him a little bit with – with guys that are experienced and guys that have defensive kind of acumen, but like it again, I don't know how long of a leash he's going to get because we've seen what's happened in the past with, you know, Travis Dermott, Alex Galchenyuk, when it just takes one real defensive miscue, and that's probably putting it politely, um, to change a, you know, an entire series. And I don't know if, if Keith wants to take that risk. Jonas, we've talked a lot about this. Like, I, I, I can't see him taking that risk. Well, I'm of two minds on it. Like we have seen him at times go for 
bold, I guess, like over um, safe. Like we, we saw it, obviously, you guys mentioned Robertson. We saw it with Rasmus Sandin. So there's a part of me that thinks, man, like he might just look at this and say, this guy might be able to score us a goal in, in a big spot. But like you guys are pointing out, like I don't know that there's a guy I would play him ahead of right now, including Aston Reese. Like there's just too much on the line and, and there's too much at stake. And, you know, it's just trust. And like, he hasn't even been in a preseason game. So one thing I, I did want to ask you along these lines, Josh, is you mentioned his maturity. Um, he's 20. Mm-hmm. Knowing what you've kind of learned about him. And, and obviously you've talked to a lot of people with the Leafs about him. Do you think he's ready for what he's stepping into? Can you possibly be ready? Like he's he's just coming into a situation for a team that like this is franchise defining what happens in the playoffs. Like people's jobs are literally on the line. Do you think he's ready for all that? Like we've seen, you know, we saw it with Matthews Marner, they step into the NHL as teenagers. This is a little bit differently because he's diving literally into the deep end of the season. Well, you'd be hard pressed to find like a 20 year old straight out of college that would be ready for, like you said, a franchise altering series. And my whole thing with, with Matt and eyes, and I keep coming back to it and like, yeah, I've, I've hung out with him. I've written about him, you know, as much as anyone else, but do the Leafs need Matt and eyes right now? Right. Do, no. do they, so that's, that's what I keep coming back to. Like, are they, are they hard up for scoring? Not necessarily like they're, are they hard up for like, you know, physical playoff style players? No, look at the players, you know, that Dubas brought in. So you're not in a position where you absolutely have to throw him into the fire. Yes, it'd be good to get him a few games and, and see what you have, like get a few regular season games to see what you have. And, and maybe like, I can't see him starting game one, but like no. game, game five, like if it maybe if they're down three, one. Right. And you feel like you're getting outscored or you are getting outscored. Maybe you try, but then that kind of feels like a desperation move too. So like I'm telling you, it's going to depend how he plays in these three games here in the regular season. Like that's what keeps looking for. But, but can I ask suggestion. you about that, James? Like how much can yeah. you really, really learn about him in two games? Like what, what, what if he has, well, I, I guess yeah. zero games. There, I mean, there were Elliot Friedman reported. There was some debate about having him sign an amateur deal and playing with, the Marlies and potentially coming for just the playoffs, but they were like, and I'm sure that Keith pushed back on that. He's like, how am I supposed to know anything about this kid? If he never plays an NHL game before we, you know, like you're going to be really unsure about putting him in, in the playoffs if you've never seen him. So I think three games is better than zero. I guess you just got to like, see if he looks like out of his depth. I mean, they're playing some good teams. They got Florida, Tampa, I believe if Florida wins today, it's a big game for them. They qual- they clinched a playoff spot, so they're going to be coming hard tonight. It's not going to be a nothing game. Yeah, I think it's it's interesting. I, I just don't know if I get what you're saying, James. Like, I just don't know what two or three games are going to tell you if he's ready to face Tampa in the first round, like the team that's gone to three straight finals. I don't know. I, I think it'll be interesting to see how he fares. Um, the only other thing I want to ask you, Josh, is... is um, You've written about some of the interactions that he's had with with Austin Matthews. Like, is there a bit of a relationship there established already? Yeah, and that's not that. That's a pretty important relationship. That's one thing I learned when I went to Minnesota. Another glamorous assignment, Minnesota in January. Uh, what's going on with you? Had my, a great time. Yeah, I did have a great time. Uh, <laughs> You're a hockey writer, I, bud. No, I'm you s- know how many nights I was in Buffalo. I'm <laughs> I'm selling it. No, I he. He leaned on Austin Matthews when he was making his decision 
last year in a way that like, I don't, I didn't know he did. Um, like it's one thing, like they, they kind of, they, they played together a little bit in Arizona, like Austin played with, with Matt Nice's brother, Phil. Um, so they'd skate together a little bit, but I didn't know that, that, you know, Matt Nice called Austin to, to kind of get his sense on, on, you know, what it would be like as a leaf and like what he should expect. Um, and it was interesting to learn both from, from Matt Nyes and, and Austin Matthews is, you know, Matthews just, he didn't play the role of used car salesman. He was just listening. You know, he, he just wanted to, to lend an ear, um, which A, speaks to this kind of growing, you know, leadership role that I think Austin Matthews has. Um, and I think it'll be really good for him. Like, you know, you walk into any new room, you walk into any new job, you want to figure out, you know, who your people are right away. And, like not a bad person to have, like one of the best players in the league is as someone that you can, you know, maybe sit beside on the plane and, and, you know, learn the ropes. Um, that's important, right? We expect someone like John Tavares to do that, but like to have someone that, you know, you can trust to have that kind of similarity. I mean, how many players are from Arizona? Um, I think that's, I, I don't think we should discount that. I think that's going to be pretty important. Um, like it's funny, you know, talking to, to, to Nyes, there's so much he doesn't know about life at the NHL. You know, we were, he won't know anything, like literally yeah. nothing. Right. He, you know, we were talking about like, <laughs> as I do with anyone, we were talking about restaurants and food and he just has no idea about like what life is like in that regard and kind of how, how well pampered you are in the yeah. NHL. Um, so to have someone like that, you know, because it's going to come the playoffs, like everybody's going to bear down. There's going to be a level of, of seriousness, you know, throughout the organization. And, and I, I see a lot of similarities in Matthews and, and Nyes just in terms of their personalities, right? They're, they're both, you know, a little more laid back. And, and I, I think that's really going to help them. And it's definitely going to help them, um, you know, on the ice to have someone on the bench that you can talk to. But it kind of does get me thinking and, and like, because we know Keith can go outside the box, like, do we think he gives him any shifts with Matthews, like over the next three games, just to be like, you played with, you know, Logan Cooley, who in my mind might be the best player outside the NHL right now. You played on a super skilled line. Let's see what you can do with the likes of Austin Matthews. I wonder if he gets a few shifts over the next few days with Matthews. I think I really it's do. probably likely, right? Like at some point, you not, not a game, but a couple shifts here and there. Like why, like what are they, have to lose like they may as well see him and those guys i mean that's the thing like those guys face the toughest competition there is like that's another part about this like the people he's faced in college is not the same like it's not even close to the same not only are they bigger and stronger and like they're just significantly better than anything he's ever faced um so it's going to be interesting um Josh has written, as I mentioned, great stuff about Matthew Nyes. Meet Matthew Nyes, an old-fashioned player with a big part in the Maple Leafs' future. That was from February. That's awesome. And then our more recent story from Josh is how Matthew Nyes got himself ready for the Maple Leafs and the NHL. Josh, go sit in the rain outside by the pool and indulge just the Florida sun. Just jump in the ocean, Josh. It doesn't matter what the weather is. Just this is your chance. <laughs> Okay, I will report back. Have me back at, on the next pod. Uh, <laughs> I might be calling from a South Florida hospital with, you know, hypothermia, but I'm all in. All right. Thank you, Josh. Thanks for taking some time. Yeah, take care, boys. All right. That is our buddy, Josh Cloak. Uh, again, check out all his work on, on Matthew Nyes. And obviously, we're going to have tons of stuff um, coming from the playoffs and still this week. Josh is in Florida with the Leafs. 
Uh, they play tonight. We're recording this on Monday morning, and then they play Tuesday in Tampa, which will be an interesting game. Uh, let's take a break, James, and then let's get into some of the stuff that I wanted to talk to you about, and then we'll take some questions in the pod bag. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All righty, James. Um, we didn't get into this with Josh. Um, what did you make of some of the, I called them machinations off the top, um, the cap stuff that they had to do to get themselves in a position to be able to sign Matthew Nice. Did you, were you surprised by it? Did, was it a, what you expected? Yeah, that's what they had to do. Like they didn't really have any other options other than going the, uh, the amateur tryout agreement with, I mean, the only other thing they could have done was put yeah. Connor Timmons on waivers. That yeah. was the only other thing they could have done. Well, they also, as you pointed out to me, like they could have not brought in nine defensemen, but that was before Matt Murray got hurt. So Although like, I should correct myself. I don't even know if they could have put Connor Timmons on waivers because I think he would have had to go through the clear process before the trade deadline. Like, I don't even think they could have done that. Like, yeah. Their options were really, really limited. Once you're down, uh, when, once you have nine games or fewer left in the regular season, you can't put anyone on LTIR. So if you run into injuries, you can get really stuck and... You know, Matt Murray going down is one of the trickier injuries for them to work around because yeah. they can't just play an extra defenseman. They can't, you know, like they, they've, they're carrying nine defensemen right now, which is really awkward and, and weird. Especially since uh, and one it, of those it, defensemen is like literally not even in the conversation to play, right? Yeah. I should correct myself. I don't think they actually could have put Timmons on waiver. So yeah, I think you're right. Let's, let's, pre- let's pretend I didn't say that. Like they, they just didn't have any options. So, you know, when people were pointing out their cap situation with Murray Hurd, I was like, they're going to do it again, aren't they? Because they did this 18 months ago. They did it in October yep. of 2021 where they brought in the, what was, I think that kid, his name was Bishop. Alex Bishop, I yeah. Was, I think it was Alex Bishop and this guy's Jet Alexander. So, um, you know, it's it's really interesting. I don't, I, I talked to some people the first time the Leafs did this and, and, and you know, there were agents and, and stuff like that that were saying like the, le- the league should fix this, like. If you have a hurt goalie, you should be able to emergency recall your goalie without playing a game without a player. Like it just, it something about it feels wrong. You know, I know that the Leafs have done the analysis on this, and and they believe it's very unlikely you're going to use the second goalie that you're going to use the backup goalie, so it doesn't really matter. And that they would rather have, I don't. It, it just seems like like couldn't you just play a forward short? Doesn't that doesn't that make more sense? Yeah, like maybe they ding you somewhere else. Like if you need, like there should be some punishment or is punishment the wrong word? Like some penalty? Well, other teams when, like this has happened to lots of teams. Like Colorado last year, I think had to play games minus two forwards. And most teams when this happens, they just, 
they just go short of forward. They just go down to 11 and, and or sometimes to 10 or sometimes they'll play with five defensemen. Like th- this has happened quite a bit. Uh, the Leafs are just the only team that have played without a goalie. I think it's fair that you point out that they were in a really tough spot. I didn't love the way that they handled it. Um, I didn't, I don't love the, the idea of Samsonov playing a game that he probably doesn't play otherwise and maybe getting hurt just so you can sign Matthew Nyes like that. I told I, you that in I the morning. I think he was going to play that game. I, I think he was going to play that game regardless, Jonas. Like, doubt it. You you don't want him to be rusty going into the playoffs. They had like, a full week of games ahead, James. Like I, I have a hard time believe believing he would have played that yeah, game. Yeah, I mean, he's probably going to play two of these games, right? Yeah. Is he going to? Yeah, he'll play one of the back to backs and he'll play against the Rangers. I, I just like that. That's huge risk. Like that is literally your season because Matt Murray. Who knows when he's coming back? Who knows if he'll come back this year? And then the, like the stuff about Murray maybe backing up, like, nah, I, I don't know. I didn't love how that went down. I get it. it. They're in a tough spot. Like, as you pointed out to me, and I think this is probably, I think people are aware of this, but Nice just could, could have said, you know what? I'm not signing. Like, if you don't want to give me a couple games, if you don't want me to, like, I'm just going to go back to college. Right? Well, yeah. I mean, that, yeah. I mean, I, I don't think that was going to happen, but there was certainly... We don't know the full details of what happened, but the negotiation was certainly a lot harder than than it probably than I expected it was going to be. You know, it dragged on; it went down to the, to the wire. And the concern with the college players is if they play out the four years, they're they're UFA and they can go wherever they want. Right, and that's happened. Like it's got, not like it's not it's not yeah. never happened. Well, that's Zach Hyman was an example of that. I mean, it's it it, it does happen. I just I feel like they were so close; it didn't make sense for it to happen here. Yeah. Well, and you could kind of feel some of the angst, frustration, whatever you want to call it, uh, with Sheldon Keefe at practice on Sunday, where it's just, he basically said, like, they have a decision to make and they need to decide. Like, they they couldn't wait. Like, this needed to get done. So, obviously, it's done. Uh, we'll see how Matthew Nyes plays this week. We'll see how many games he gets into. We'll see who he plays with. Um, maybe by the time you listen to this, you'll know. Um some of the other stuff that's been going on that's been pretty interesting is Ryan O'Reilly is obviously back. He's been quite involved. Um, we saw him in his first game back playing in the third line center spot. Then in his second game back, he was playing with Tavares. Actually, yeah, second game back, Tavares and Neander. What do you make of how they've used him? Where do you think he should be? Do you think this is decided? What's interesting to about that to you? The thing for me, Jonas, and I know we, we've got the questions coming from from listeners, and a lot of them are about O'Reilly and where he should play. O'Reilly's just like they put him on PP one, and he fits right in, and he's crashing the net, and they get that goal. And I just, I really like the way he looks with the Leafs' best players. So yeah. to me, again and again, when I see him, it's like I want him out there with those. Like it's just going to make their top six that much more dynamic if he's up there. And then I think what you do is the fourth line's playing well. They're gonna they're gonna get their nine ten minutes and do what they do. You try and cobble together a third line you feel okay about, but you're probably not going to play them much more than the fourth line, and you just lean really heavy. And the other thing that's a huge factor in this is that Tavares and Nylander just haven't really had it for a long stretch of time at even strength. Yeah. And you get O'Reilly in there, and it just changes the mix, and that's what they need right now. They they need a catalyst, and I think he can be that. Yeah, I think that's a great way to look at it. and. I kind of felt like the the word that kept coming to mind for me when he was playing with Tavares Neander the other night is like he's a connector in some way. Like he he kind of yeah. brought everything together in a way. Like I was sitting next to Frankie Corrado at the game uh, on Saturday and he pointed out like you get 
Tavares and, and O'Reilly down low, and they're just two big bodies. And, and Nealander mentioned after the game that O'Reilly creates space for him. I, like those guys have really, really, really struggled at five on five. Like I think I, I I'm checking it now, but I think Tavares is still stuck on one five on five goal since March first, and and Nealander hasn't looked like himself. Like that that game the other night was the best he's looked in a while. He had ten shots. Um, so I'm with you, and I actually think like I know we describe it as the fourth line, but I think Camp that group kind of becomes like your third line where they basically use them the way they did in last year's playoffs. Like, didn't you think that that line was pretty effective last year against Tampa where they basically just buried the shit out of them. And then that was able, they were able to free the other yeah. guys up. I mean, there were some games, uh, there was one game. Was it game one? I think. Yeah. Uh, it, it, one of the, one of the early games, that line was completely dominant. It was a huge factor in the series. It was a game in Tampa actually where he, cause oh, okay. I remember so writing maybe, about maybe it. It was game Maybe it was game three. Yes, but I yeah, believe that's it was, what it was. You just the good news is that over the last little while they've been producing offense, which is would have been my concern with that line earlier. But it seems like they've kind of they've hit on something now where they're able to create some more. Um, and it, you just you can't have when, when you're top heavy the way the Leafs are, and I know that putting O'Reilly up there makes them more top heavy. You can't lose that matchup, and I just feel better about them not losing that matchup if O'Reilly's there. Yeah, it was interesting, James. Like looking back at some of the numbers from last year's series, and just how much when the games were in Tampa, how much John Cooper really tried to get his best guys against Tavares, and and it worked, and it worked, and, and, it worked. and that's yeah. what would what was kind of scaring me but yeah you're right like the o'reilly thing that that's a good segue to, to talk about the power play stuff it worked obviously against montreal that was not like a great montreal effort obviously i guess i just don't understand why they're doing it like why with a week and a half left in the season you're literally changing your entire power play which is like literally sucking in the league i i it i get it i just don't get it if that makes sense no i mean do you think maybe Keith just thinks Nylander doesn't really have it? Like whether it's even strength yeah. or power play right now? Yeah. I part, think that, that might be part of it. I think that's part of it. I think Yarncroft being out is a little tiny part of it, but yeah. Yeah, I think that's probably part of it. And and O'Reilly, like he's different from Nylander when you put him on that unit. Like he doesn't need the puck. Like he just goes in that bumper spot. He kind of is like a, a bit of a shit disturber down there. He's heavy. He's, he's obviously got pretty good hands. You combine him with Tavares. I mean, he's what they were looking for when they acquired Nick Foligno. Like Ro yes. O'Reilly's like exactly. And, and and just how well he can play center too is such a big factor. Yeah. And it's I, too bad he had that injury because I bet you what would have happened is O'Reilly would have settled in as the second line center. Tavares would have got more time as on the wing. Yeah. Good point. And they would have been able to, to look at that longer. Like I wonder if they're probably going to be reluctant to go to that for very long in the playoffs. Which Tavares on the wing? Yeah, maybe. Like how yeah. many games has he played there this season? Like three or something? Not very many. It's not very many. You're right. It's under five. And and obviously, you know, you mentioned that time that he was out. They would have tried this with the power play units during that time for certain. I, I, it's just like Matthews, Marner, Neander, Tavares, R Riley have so much experience playing together. And I guess you can just go to that if if you want. Uh, I just don't. This this reminds me a little bit of some of the stuff we've seen from Keith in the past, where it's like the playoffs get close and he's just like suddenly like gets like a little antsy and tries something that hasn't been tried the whole year. You know what I mean? And now that I don't know, I, it, there's just something about it that I don't get. Um, but like the playoffs are different, and O'Reilly has obviously proven in spades that when the playoffs come, he raises his game. So yeah, well, and I think if he's playing. Like this, that Keith's going to play O'Reilly like 
a lot. Like he's yeah, going to play 20, really plus, 20, plus, 20 plus minutes. So putting him on the top power play unit is another way to get him more in, involved in the game. Yeah, it's funny. You can really feel how having O'Reilly, it's just like a coach's kind of dream player, right? Like someone who you can literally play. Like even I, I was just watching them. They did a bunch of six on five at practice on Sunday. And obviously he's in that six on five group. And it's like, mm-hmm. he's going to use him in every kind of like, if there's like a big defensive zone draw game six, they're up one, he's taking it right. Like there's no question. There's just so many situations yep. where he's going to lean on O'Reilly where he didn't really have that specific person before. It probably would have been Matthews or might've been camp. Yeah. No, I mean, he's what they needed. And yeah. I think that, Watching him play with Brody, I think McCabe's what they needed too. And maybe not like perfect, like maybe not as high end of a defenseman as you would have liked to get, but we'll see how it plays out in the series. But I think that you look at how Lafferty's played lately, like a lot of what they did at the trade trade deadline is looking pretty solid to me right now. Well, so before we get to the pod bag, I did want to ask you about um, Matt Murray. It doesn't seem like... It, it seems very clear to me that he's not going to return in the regular season. What do you think this means for the playoffs? What do you think it means? Like, where are you at with Matt Murray? What do you think happens here? Uh, either he gets healthy and he comes back as the backup for the playoffs, or he doesn't get healthy and Joseph Wool is your backup. You know, that's that's yeah. really where it's at. That that play where he got kind of like slew-footed and his feet taken out from him and hit his head on the back of the ice. Mm-hmm. That happened to me in a game. And I I was struggled with post-concussion stuff for like a year and a half after that. Like, it's just, it's a really, really, I know obviously like the NHL players have like a bit different <laughs> resources and are able to, but especially for someone with a concussion history, that yeah. could be one that lingers, that lingers a long time. Yeah. And it's not like it's like one concussion. It's like multiple concussions. And he's had, I mean, his season last year, he... Suffered a concussion, I believe, in his final start against Arizona. And he, I remember reading reporting from uh, the people in Ottawa, including Ian Mendez. Like, I think it was like in April, he was still dealing with like concussion symptoms. It's just like, it's, it's a somewhat predictable way that his season has gone with injuries, but like, that's such a fluky play. But it's like, man, like, this guy just can't really catch a break with health. It's, it's just it's it's unfortunate for him. Like he, I don't think he had a great year. Obviously, he was fine, um, but to not even have the option of him in the playoffs just hurts them. I think for sure. He had, he had been struggling lately too, right? Like most of his better games were earlier in the year. So, um, I, I, you're asking me to predict what's going to happen. I I don't. You know. can't. Yeah, you're <laughs> right. No, you're right. I don't know what his health situation is going to be. I think if he's healthy, he's going to be on the bench as the backup. And if he's not healthy, obviously he's not going to be. So, but you know, if you made me predict what's going to happen next year, I suspect that Matt Murray's not going to be back. They're going to find some way to disappear that contract, and that the two goalies who they're going to be playing with in Florida, uh, Samsonov and Wool, that those will be the Leafs' goalies next year. Well, and we're going to have to see how how Samsonov handles the playoffs. Like, it's not a True. foregone conclusion. Like that, he it just keeps up. He's had a great year. That bet paid off. Obviously, the Murray bet has not paid off to this point. Yeah, if he struggles, then I'm sure that whoever the Leafs GM is in the offseason is probably going to be looking to add another experienced goaltender. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's take a break and then let's get to some questions. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner StubHub 
has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. All righty, James. There's some good stuff in here. Apologies to everyone that sent in questions last Wednesday, but a lot of them are not particularly relevant. So unfortunately, we're going to go with some of the newer questions. Uh, that's just uh, sometimes the uh, the hockey gods wipe out a podcast and we got to move forward. So we are going to be doing another show on Friday, a playoff preview show, and we will put a call out for questions for that show uh, later in the week. Uh, question number one, Jonas, that everyone wants us to talk about. I wonder if you can guess what it is. Taylor wants us to talk about Chris Weidman and the Montreal Canadiens had strong feelings about Jet and Alexander playing 70 seconds in Saturday's game. He wants to know, uh, how do we think that's being received around the league? Does anyone even care? Or is it being blown out of proportion because it was a Montreal-Toronto game? And writers and talking heads... <laughs> he says, writers and talking heads move their bones by complaining about the Leafs for clicks. <laughs> how did you feel about them putting the University of Toronto goalie in the net? So... I could see how it could rub a team the wrong way. I, I like they I were just. I, I think they were pissed off. They lost seven one. Right? This haven't teams been doing this for years though. It's a little bit of like a little salt in the wound. A little bit. You're losing seven one, and with a minute left, the other team puts in a university goalie. Like it's a little bit. You could you could feel like it. You could see how it might be received in kind of poor taste a little bit. And it was sort of interesting to me that that Sheldon Keefe kind of disowned the decision and said it was made <laughs> by someone was... else which is bizarre like i don't know who that would have been and why he said that i don't totally get it but i could it's understand very it. unusual that a coach will say something like that and say that yes as, like, i've never heard that just, before what are you throwing someone else under the bus like it was that was really really weird yes yeah. and it was it, it didn't really get talked about that much I think, honestly, this has happened a few times. Like, didn't, I remember the Carolina Hurricanes put in their, uh, they had like their, was it their goalie coach or one of their trainers or something was the yeah. backup goalie and they put him into. Is that Rob uh, Tallis or is that a different guy? No, I think it was Jorge Alves was, I think, his, did they do that? Did I don't know if Tallis actually got in any minutes in the game or not, did he? I don't remember. And then, uh, then uh, Matt Berlin with the Oilers in January, the Oilers put him in and gave him some time. I mean, I think. I don't know. It's become just like a nice gesture that teams do to, you know, reward. Like, you know, now 
now uh, Jed Alexander, his hockey DB is going to have him playing for the Maple Leafs for the rest of all time, which is kind of cool. Yeah, I'm like and 80%. It's, it's it's nice gesture. I think there's like 20% of me that's like, yeah, I can understand why that would... Like, if I was on the other team, that would kind of piss me off. But there, whoever made that decision is just thinking, we can give this kid a nice moment. It's a nice moment for our team. Whatever. Well, Jed Alexander's not like a joke goalie. He's not like Zamboni driver goalie. Like, you look at it, he's 6'5". He played three or four years junior at a high level. He's playing... Uh, you know, University of Canadian University of Hockey is not that low a level. Logan Thompson, the Vegas starting goaltender, was playing University Canadian University Hockey at one point. Like, so I don't know. I don't. It's not like they're putting like a clown in the net or something like that. Who would have made that, that decision? That I like, would like to see. Do you think that? Like, see. what do you think actually happened? They didn't I, like, put I just Carlton find the bearer. In I the just net. find it hard to believe that someone up above gets in contact. That's presumably, happened. that's what happened. So. One of these people, mystery person X, contacts, I assume they contact like Jordan Bean or Sam Kim and tell them to radio down to the bench to put the kid in. Like, that's what happened? Well, that's what Keith said. I mean, what, what's the bizarre. other option based on what Keith said? <laughs> I don't know. You're right. Bizarre. Weird. Why wouldn't Keith just say like, oh, it was a nice moment? Or yeah, whatever. I don't like, know. Well, <laughs> clearly, I'm, I'm sure he was informed of what Weidman said and maybe, I don't know. It's... Bizarre. If the Leafs don't win in the first round, it's going to be interesting. That's what I'll say. Uh, all right. That was the first question. Um, Victor wants to know, Joseph Wool and Pontus Holmberg look like they might be penciled in as future Leafs. Who else is impressed from the Marlies this year? How do you rate the goalie pipeline with Wool, Schalgren, Petruzelli, Hildeby is now with the Marlies, uh, all fighting for playoff for playing time? You have any thoughts on the Marlies don't they've had a good season. They don't really seem to have a lot to help the Leafs immediately, although now Topi Niemela is down there and Hildeby and all of a sudden the, the goaltending situation seems a bit stronger in the pipeline though. I am a little surprised that that Pontus Holmberg just disappeared. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like for the first half, like he was literally in the lineup every night. Like they they raved about him and like now they're playing Wayne Simmons and and obviously we may have seen Wayne Simmons final NHL game over the weekend we'll Didn't see they try Pontius Holmberg is like second line center at one point or something like yes they put him way up the lineup when Matthews got hurt literally they saw it. Didn't they see it for one game? They're like, no, 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 it wasn't even a full game. It was like it was like a period and a half or something. Two periods. And, and it was it was like I don't, I'm trying to think of what it it was like when you like I, don't, I can't think of a good analogy for it. It was, it was like basically an indictment of their it. center depth that their best center goes out and they're like, eh, maybe we should try anyway. Um, but I'm surprised he's kind of disappeared because I, I didn't mind him. I don't really see where he fits right now. Um, Bobby McMahon is obviously hurt. I think he was someone who was going to help them, who would have helped them as like a depth guy in case of injury. You mentioned to me, and I think it's a good point uh, a couple while a couple weeks back, that Alex Steves has just kind of disappeared as an option. He played... I think it was like in February well, or March. And every then, time they play him, it seems like he struggles mightily. I when every time he plays, I like look at the yeah. You go to natural stat trick after the game, and you look at the underlying numbers, and it's like he had eight percent Corsi tonight, and he played five minutes, and it's like uh, yes, that does not seem like. And Steve's isn't that young either, right? Like he's not. 
No. Not fresh out of junior. And I think James, like, yeah, I'm looking at, uh, he had one game in March and it was 4.9% expected goals for him and Holmberg. Remember, they both played that game. I believe it was New Jersey. But I think that is a good reminder of why it's really important to be careful with how prospects fare in the minors and then assuming that it's just going to continue in the NHL. Like Joseph Wall is a good example. Like just because he's had this amazing season with the Marlies doesn't necessarily mean anything for his NHL future. Like Garrett Sparks was the goalie of the year in the AHL. And we saw where that went. Like Joseph Wall, credit to him. Like he took a step this year, but it's still very much TBD on what he is in the NHL. Like I can't, he's played eight games in the NHL. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, Brad wants to know if there's an update on Yarn Crock. I believe there was an update on Yarn Crock at, at practice on Sunday. Yeah, so he is going to travel with the team and skate in, I think, maybe today. Um, Do you know the, what you his know injury what the, is? Or is they've it they've not like said, a- but Keith has said it's been something that was nagging him and just flared up in Boston, which makes me wonder if it's something along the lines of the groin injury that caused him to miss games uh, mm-hmm. In November and December, because if you remember, that was sort of the same thing uh, where it was something that was sort of bugging him and then it just flared up and he left the game, I believe, against San Jose and didn't return. And that's obviously like it's not a huge concern, like, but he was playing well. Um, he was playing, obviously, on their top line, kills penalties and you take him out and suddenly like maybe you are playing Matthew Nice. So they need to get him back, obviously, before the playoffs. And it seems like they will. Yeah, I mean, do you think they'll put him back up on with Matthews when he gets back? I mean, it seems great like question. I don't think so. In. I don't you know. Don't think they're going to. No, I, I kind of think he fits. I think they will. I think you they'll do, play eh? with Matthews and Marner. Well, I just okay. Feel but like- so James, you know what the question then becomes is okay. Well, what do you do with Munting? That's no, the problem I mean, because like I can play if I'm Keith, I can play Yarncroft, Achari, and Kerfoot together. I don't, and, and obviously you could play Bunting, Kerfoot, and Achari together. I don't think he fits in that spot. I think Bunting is best when he plays with Matthews. That's what I'd do. Maybe you kind of like, depending on game situations and whatever, you, you mix it up. I, I don't know. I don't feel like Bunting has necessarily earned playing higher in the lineup. I know he's much less effective down the lineup, but I that's one of the open questions, I think, in this last week of the season here is is how that plays out. Yeah, it's a really good point. I, it's just like if you're not playing with Matthews, like I, I just think he's so much less effective. Whereas I think Yarncroft could be effective playing with like Achari and Kerfoot. And I think your your point about the flexibility is is well made. I think that's one of the things that Sheldon Keefe has done really well this year. That Tampa, it's what I noticed Tampa would do a lot last year and even in previous years. Is John Cooper just like moves things around in game frequently? And I think that the Leafs were a little too rigid sometimes in what they did. And now they're just kind of a little bit more free-flowing where if Bunting doesn't have it, he'll just put Yarncroft there for sure. All right. We've got time for one more. Unfortunately, a little bit abbreviated podcast today, uh, but we're going to do a long one on early early Friday to set up the playoffs. Uh, I believe the playoffs start for the Leafs next Tuesday. So we, there's certainly some time for some good preview stories. I know Dom's going to have a, a deep dive on Leafs versus Lightning. We also have uh, Cam Sharon's working on a series looking back at uh, Leafs Lightning last year and kind of some of the lessons and analysis from that series and what how he can apply it to this year, which I think will be interesting uh, given that Cam worked in the Leafs front office. Uh, so for the last question, Jonas, I do have a Tampa question. Uh, David wants to know 
they've got home ice locked up. Do the Leafs play their playoff lineup against Tampa on Tuesday, or do they not kind of like show their cards, keep their cards close to the vest, and rest some of their big boys to prevent injury? How do you? That's what I was thinking. Like, how do you approach that game? Like, do you play Samsonov? Like, what if Samsonov gets lit up by Tampa in the last yeah. regular season game when when you play them? Like, I was thinking about what, that. Do you, that re- the result doesn't matter. So do you? I don't know. I would. It feels like almost they should just like play like some other like a tougher lineup and just not take any shit from them. The problem like is James. Really. Like they don't have a lot of flexibility to be able to do a lot, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like who can they? Who, they they don't even have like forwards. Like they can't even. You yeah, know what that's I mean? true. I don't even know well, what they could do. Play play nine D and nine forwards. <laughs> well, and if you remember, James, I don't think it was. Jack Campbell last year, but remember there was a game right before the playoffs in Tampa where they got lit up. I think it was eight one. Do you remember this? Yes. Um, and, and, and they it looked didn't, terrible. Yeah, and then that was like it, that was like an uh oh game. But it didn't end up mattering. I don't know what. Like I don't think there's much that they can do. Like maybe you don't dress. I don't know what you do. Maybe you try some different things just to kind of mess with Tampa a little bit. I don't know. It's an interesting question that it's it you get this team that you're already you've been locked into play and it's a really good team and I think you probably don't I don't know. I was gonna say you don't want the lightning to learn anything about you, but maybe the lightning probably know everything they need to know about the least by now. Like they've probably both been watching the other team like all season, every single game. Yeah, Keith alluded to that that like they've been preparing this for a while and I mean you still need to get your groups intact and feeling good before the playoffs like there's only so much messing around you can do right oh so anyway i was trying to find the goalie who played in that tampa game i, I don't know who it was anyway whatever it wasn't peter Morazic. remember him good time i do he's led the tank charge in chicago all right james uh we will be back at the end of the week uh with a playoff preview uh sorry again for last week we appreciate everyone sending in questions and listening every week that's it. Go to theathletic.com slash leaf report if you want to sign up. There's tons of good Matthew Nice content if you want to get up to speed with that. Goodbye, James. I'll talk to you later in the week. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>